Hello and welcome to Natural Health with CNM, the College of Naturopathic Medicine. I'm your host, Michelle Sanchez. In today's episode, I'm joined by doctor and health coach, Joyce Reed. Joyce is going to be talking to us about burnout from stress. She'll be explaining how stress affects our emotional and physical well-being and the signs and symptoms to look out for when you're burnt out. Joyce is also going to share her health coaching tips and advice on how to recover from burnout through diet and lifestyle. Joyce worked as a hospital doctor and paediatrician in the NHS for 12 years before suffering from emotional and physical burnout five years ago. She had a growing sense that there was more to health than prescribing drugs to cover symptoms. During her recovery, Joyce partnered with her husband, Professor Mark Reed, in the academic training company Fast Tracked Impact. In order to heal herself, Joyce began prioritising her health and well-being and learnt from direct experience that lifestyle changes do really work. She realised that supporting people with their health and well-being was still a deeply held desire, so she enrolled in CNM's Health Coach Diploma. She now trains and coaches in health and well-being across the academic sector and with private clients, empowering people to adopt a better work-life balance and address the key issues driving their stress and burnout. Hi, Joyce. Welcome. Thanks for joining me today. It's great to have you on the show. Hi, Michelle. Absolutely lovely to be here. Thank you so much for the invitation. Welcome. We're glad to have you here. Now, burnout is a really scary place to be as you feel physically and emotionally drained. And it's been a stressful couple of years for many people with so much uncertainty going on in the world. So it's a very fitting topic for today. Um, And you've actually been there yourself and come out the other side. So I'm really looking forward to hearing your advice on overcoming burnout. But firstly, please can you tell us a bit about yourself and your experience in the industry? Yes, absolutely. I have indeed been in burnout and have walked the journey back out of it. Um, But obviously that has led me towards um, seeking training in health coaching and I've found that it's really turned my life around. Um, But I started my journey as a medical doctor working in the NHS, largely as a paediatrician, which is a children's doctor. Um, And really it was that career, sadly, that led me to become completely burnt out. Um, But I did absolutely love it and it was a huge privilege to work alongside people in that way. Um, But just the system pressure that was on us in order to deliver a service all the time, I just got into a rut and really ignored physical and emotional symptoms and ended up that I just you know, no longer had any energy to work anymore. And then after leaving my career um, to start recovering from burnout, I started working in, in another company with my husband, um, who we work alongside academics um, in the research uh, arena. And then it was really in that role that I took some real insights from research into health and well-being and that's a really broad and wide information that is out there and I started to really question the training and the sort of health itself and what it meant and that really propelled me on my journey to whole health and then mm-hmm. through the pandemic, I really started seeing signs and, and of real stress and potential burnout in the clients that we were working with in our company. And um, we were approached and asked for just training in wellness and health and well-being and how individuals could do that better. And 
And it was really then that I sought out a course and found CNM in their fantastic health coaching course. And so the story goes, I've now been practicing as a health coach since July this year and uh, absolutely loving it. It's amazing. And it's been really transformational for me as a person and a practitioner. Oh, that's fantastic. Such an inspiring story. And it's amazing that you're still able to work in that industry, helping people, but in a different capacity, because you saw Mm -hmm. that there was obviously, you know, as your work as a doctor, you know, that that wasn't working and people needed additional support in terms of their health and well-being and lifestyle. So that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it just started becoming real. I was questioning really seeing families and children with symptoms and only really being able to see them for 10, 15 minutes and just dish out some prescriptions. Mm -hmm. And there being almost nothing else that I could offer and also with mental health services being so stretched it was I was really curious and searching it just felt like I was only sort of paying lip service to a very small slice of the pie in terms of health and don't get me wrong I mean the NHS do an amazing job and it was a very huge privilege to be part of it however I just now can see from doing the course at CNM and really engaging with the naturopathic approach that there's just such a huge arena of health out there and that health is a huge circle of life and it isn't just one tiny slice of responding to symptoms um, that we can do so much more. And and I really, I feel so much more empowered as a doctor and a practitioner um, now. Uh, you know, obviously now I'm not working as a doctor, but I feel more like one than I ever did if that mm-hmm. makes sense absolutely absolutely and we're seeing that now there's a lot more opportunities coming up for health coaches in the NHS and in, in surgeries working alongside the doctors because there is that um you know people do need that additional support and they need you know doctors don't have the time or resources mm-hmm. to be able or the training to be able to do that so um that's why they get yeah. health coaches in so it's a really exciting time in the industry isn't it absolutely it is and, and I really feel hope um that health can really be you know we can really regain a different type of health system that it feels like something's evolving at the moment and it's a really exciting time to be part of it Absolutely. So what did you enjoy most about CNM's health coach diploma? And what would you say was your biggest aha moment? I think because I had done a lot of reading around the literature in the years that I was burnt out because I was so desperate to get myself well, really finding CNM online when I was doing the search for some sort of health coaching course or something that I could do to help people gain whole health. When I read CNM's website and the ethos behind naturopathy and wholeness and helping people to empower themselves, that was my first aha moment. I was like, gosh, there's actually a whole body of people that are working this way. Mm -hmm. Um, And then reading the UK Association Health Coaches site as well was just wonderful, you know, and seeing that health coaching is a real thing and it's a real profession and, and just that really 
real kind of naturopathic slant that CNM takes, it really resonated deeply with me because it's about caring for each other, caring for the earth, making things and changes sustainably, filling your body with nourishing things, you know, albeit food or um, rest and restore activities or healthy exercise. It was all about nourishment and and really just listening to your body and to the earth. And that really resonated with me and felt like a whole picture of health rather than just a slice of the pie. So I think the second aha moment was naturopathy and realising <laughs> that CNM really had a strong um, basis in that. Absolutely. No, that's fantastic. Now, it is a great course. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you, for those listeners who aren't aware of what a health coach is, can you just briefly explain what a health coach is and how they work? Sure. So a health coach is a whole health professional, I would say, and really an expert in behavioural change. So as health coaches, we work in a partnership with a client and it really is partnership is that word because people sort of self-refer because they are ready to make sustainable and natural changes to improve their their whole health and wellness. Um, and it's really that, that partnering, that relationship and really you're almost walking side by side with your client. You're not telling them what to do. You're really empowering them to find the answers that are within them. And obviously you can give advice but that is really directed by the client. I mean, you know, they, they can ask for education and advice in places and you can give that or you can point them towards others. But it's it's really just that the partnership that is really key to understand and it's the empowerment of somebody to make sustainable lifestyle choices who can really and then you can teach them tools and they can develop their own tools to take into the rest of their life so that it's a sustained change that brings resilience into their life for the future. Fantastic and thank you for explaining that. Now let's move on to stress and burnout. If we can talk about your experience as well, because you have experienced burnout as a result of work-related stress. So Mm -hmm. can you explain what burnout is and why it happens and some of the signs and symptoms to look out for? Because I know you said when you were talking a moment ago, you ignored the signs. Mm -hmm. So if you can talk us through some of those, that would be great. Absolutely. So it might take a wee minute to fully answer this question, Michelle, so bear with me. But um, yeah, so it's quite a complex area, but I've tried to make it as easy to understand as possible. So really the definition of burnout is that it's a collection of three symptoms resulting predominantly from workplace stress. So that's chronic workplace Mm -hmm. stress that hasn't been identified, acknowledged or managed, or usually it's a combination of all three of those. So it's characterised by these three dimensions. So firstly, feelings of really depleted energy and exhaustion. And I mean, you know, not just a bit tired. This is like absolute chronic bone tiredness. Like you can't even think about getting out of bed in the morning. You're just absolutely like earth shatteringly tired. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I used to feel like I could burst into tears just trying to get one foot in front of the other. It, I was just so done with just aches and pains and just pure exhaustion. 
Secondly, it's that an increased mental distance from your job or just really negative feelings towards it or real cynicism related to your work um, and just that kind of real hopeless negativity um, and then thirdly a real sense of being ineffective and just a lack of accomplishment so that could kind of, kind of come around in many ways so maybe you feel you've got to the top of the ladder and you can't climb any further or maybe you start to feel disillusioned with it and you've started to have questions about what am I actually doing but just that sense of ineffectiveness. So that's just to recap, feelings of exhaustion, feelings of cynicism, negativity or mental distance and like a real feeling of ineffectiveness or lack of accomplishment. And that sort of burnout refers really specifically to your work so or occupation just sort of occupation and technically it shouldn't be applied to describe other experiences in your life however that's not to say that there aren't effects of work-related burnout that really just spill over into your whole life because obviously we're whole rounded beings we're not a bunch of compartments everything is mm -hmm. connected um, so these feelings of complete exhaustion can usually manifest in home life as well as or, you know, or just f for yourself as a lack of enthusiasm for home life, just even although the main focus of it is coming from work. And it can spill into home relationships. They can become strained. Even the tasks of normal day-to-day -day life, like cooking for yourself, cleaning your house, getting organised for the day, taking the bin out, simple things like that, can just become absolutely overwhelming and just impossible to do physically and emotionally because the pain of it all is just so much. So, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, that's kind of how I would describe it. No, that's great. Thank you for that explanation. Because that was going to be one of my next questions in terms of burnout. If it's not stress related um, and it's coming from maybe a relationship or a family situation or money troubles or something, you know, a collection of other things that are driving people to feel burnout, are the, the tips and advice that you're going to talk about today will cover that as well? Yeah, they definitely will. Because although technically speaking from a diagnostic point of view it is work-related, I think there's definitely um, an acknowledgement within all medical and allied health arenas that burnout can really come from other areas too. Um, but usually the stems come from unacknowledged work-related stress. And if you dig into somebody's background, you'll find that there. Um, but yes, it can definitely be felt from like a myriad of other things and and also it can be kind of sort of quite difficult to unpick it from depression um, but with depression there's a real hopelessness element um, mm -hmm. and it can you know there's a real crossover but definitely the the sort of advice and um, tips I'm going to give today will help regardless of where particular burnout focus is um, so yeah I would just encourage people that there is definitely help there's things you can do now and there are help at hand from professionals as well. That's fantastic. So are there any other signs and symptoms to look out for that, you know, you've talked about the tiredness and feeling emotional and, you know, not able to sort of get things done. Are there any other signs, you know, for example, sugar cravings or, um, you know, particular things that you notice with yourself that other people yeah. might identify with? 
Absolutely. So I think the sort of more day-to-day detailed signs, if you like, are absolutely, there's there's a lot of them, but just to name a few common ones. So certainly because of the, so really if you can look at it as the three sort of overarching dimensions to burnout, and then there's what we do to try and stave those off. And I would say those are perhaps the denial elements. It's the things that you kind of reach for as crutches to try and get yourself through. So if you sort of look at it like that, and certainly caffeine is a huge one. I mean, during burnout, I was drinking maybe 10 to 15 cups of coffee just to get me through the day. Oh my goodness, wow. And there's a lot of other people might be listening to this that can relate to that. And certainly I would say that is a key sign. If you are absolutely dependent on coffee Mm -hmm. and if you don't have it, you can't function or you're getting a really bad headache, then that's a sign that there's maybe unresolved stress and potentially the early signs of burnout that are there. Mm-hmm. Um, sugar as well, to just to kind of give you that boost to get you through the day, that's a huge one. So if you're always reaching for sugary snacks, if you feel you can't get through your day without them, then that's definitely a sign. If you're telling yourself the narrative that you don't have time to, you know, look after yourself, then I think that's another sign. And certainly it wasn't me. I was constantly saying, oh, Joyce, you just you don't have time to you know, sleep properly or you don't have time to cook yourself a nice lunch. Or, you know, if you're mm-hmm. constantly saying, I don't have time to, to make lunch, I'll just skip it. You know, th- th- that, I would say that negative narrative is another sign. And obviously that comes under the negativity the cynicism um, that you can sometimes feel during burnout. Another maybe slightly softer sign, but it's there, but if you really ask yourself about this, you might find that you've stopped feeling stressed. You know, you you can't actually, you don't have the energy to feel stress anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's just this apathy, just this, I can't be bothered. I've just got no energy. And that sort of almost healthy buzz that you get from stress, you just can't, you can't generate it anymore. Your body just doesn't have the physical ability to go there. You know, and I would say that's another one. And just also something else I felt was just I felt like an empty vessel I felt mm-hmm. like I had nothing to give it was like the pot was empty that, that, that me I was used up and if you yeah. really ask yourself that's another sign um, you know and I think the, the sort of last one that I would say is just this feeling of just apathy just just having absolutely no ability to relate to anything or feel energy for anything and just this joylessness and feeling like everything is just taking your energy away. So that's a slightly different focus perhaps from depression, which is more there is no hope in life. It's more you've got no energy that you'll ever, you know, no hope that you'll ever have energy again. So it's it's a slightly different focus, if you see what I mean. Yes, absolutely. It's kind of as you say, your, your bucket's empty, and you're kind of just flatlining and just um, yes, going through the motions, aren't you? Without uh-huh. sort of yeah, everything's a bit bit of a struggle. Yeah, definitely. And just this, it almost embodied itself in me as this feeling like I was wading through tar or concrete, and I just mm-hmm. was physically dragging my feet along the ground. And obviously, that was sort of a mental pain as well. But it was yeah, just that 
effort of life seems huge. And I think if you're feeling any of those things or a combination of them, it is definitely time to ask yourself, right, maybe I need to start looking at this because, you know, there is help and there are things that you can do. There are people that can help you out there and it's definitely worth it. Nobody deserves to feel like that. No, absolutely. And how about sleep? You know, when you're in burnout, are people sleeping more? Are they sleeping less? Or does it depend? I think it depends. I mean, I would say it could be either. So just watch out for either of those things. Uh, Certainly for me, it was less. I just couldn't access a decent night's sleep. And it was just eye-wateringly painful. It was just this horrible feeling that when you went to bed, you, you weren't able to sleep. And certainly other clients that I've worked with have explained that too. Um, but obviously some people go into that sort of deep burnt out state and they can't get out of bed. They just physically can't get there. Um, you know, and I think I always look back and feel extremely grateful to the fact that I had children who were always there, literally dragging me out of bed in the morning. So I did <laughs> yeah. get up. But, you know, but, th- but that feeling of, of zero energy and that you just want to sleep all the time, that is there too. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So I think either sp- end of the spectrum sleep disturbance is a key feature. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. So what are some of the the causes or the driving factors of burnout? Obviously in a work situation, is it, you know, taking too mm-hmm. much on, not being happy with your role? But what are the, the key things that tend to drive burnout? Yeah, I mean, I think those are definitely in there. But I think going slightly deeper, I think there's maybe four main themes which can have lots and lots of elements within. So I think the first driving factor I would suggest is unresolved and unrecognised stress. And I'll come on to what stress is um, in in a minute. But um, so really it's just that fact that those factors that really stop you from recognizing your own stress and sort of sort of downplaying it if you like because it's the chronic un uh, unresolved stress and that can go on for years and perhaps decades in some people before they get to sort of proper full-on burnout mm-hmm. and that I would say is a key factor um, and that can be things like, well, you just don't feel you're you're worthy enough to recognise your own stress or your workplace doesn't recognise that stress is a key thing that is to be prioritised. Mm-hmm. Um, so there can be systems in place that really stop cultural dialogue around stress. Um, certainly in the NHS, that is a key factor. And I think that's come out over and in the media over the course of the COVID-19 pandemic is just how stressful a life is working in the NHS. But it's not... Um, unique to the NHS. Lots and lots of professions and jobs have that culture around them where stress is for weaklings and and stress is something that we just need to man up against. It's actually a real problem and we need to start looking at it. So that would I say is the first thing. Secondly, and again, I've touched on that, is some modern cultural factors. So overworking, taking on too much, 
really that feeling of never feeling good enough at what you do Mm -hmm. and always you have to be driving yourself forward to be better and more productive and and you know and like oh gosh I would I would be better if I just did this course or or you know I just took on that extra project it's really starting to think about actually how much capacity do I have in my whole life I'm not just a human doing I'm a human being you Mm -hmm. know and it's really thinking about that and then also that feeling like you can never allow yourself to switch off from your working day Um, so again it's looking at the systems and working environments which don't prioritise health and well-being and don't allow for that and I find this incredibly sad because it's such a fallacy because if we dig into the productivity research um, really a healthy worker full of vitality and whole health that's balanced is way more focused creative and productive in the workplace and so they can get more done in less time and I think you know some those modern cultural factors around work they really need to start to be looked at so that would be the second factor. So thirdly, I would say that as a culture, we've lost the ability to read our bodies. Um, and there's quite a lot of interesting research around embodiment and what that means. So we don't know what to look for in our bodies as early signs of stress. And again, mm-hmm. these cultural norms imply that resting and sleeping are for weak people. I mean, it's even come into our language, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, yes. and that's a real yeah. phrase that people use, which is actually quite a lot, frightening. Actually, yes. It? And this narrative of busyness that we have almost as a badge of honour, you know, and I think that combined with the just real lack of knowledge of what our bodies are talking to us about and sort of the denial of that information that our emotions and our symptoms are telling us, we just squash it down. We just go, oh, you know, I'm too busy to think about that. I'll, 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 I'll you know, I'll just squash it down. I'll carry on. I'm just, I'm in survival mode. I just have to keep going. And certainly I was absolutely terrible at symptom denial. You know, I had a whole host of symptoms of chronic disease and I just ignored them because I felt that if I was to take time off to look after myself, then I would just be putting pressure on somebody else in a really challenged system that didn't have enough staff, that was too busy, that I didn't want to put pressure on my colleagues, you know, and that, you know, I think a lot of people would relate to that feeling. So it's Absolutely. just this this ability to read your own signs and symptoms and your own emotions. And I think really starting to look at that would be a really big, a big start to, to address and burn out. And then finally, the fourth aspect I would bring out is that there's no natural time in our modern lives where we are forced in some ways or it's almost naturally occurring within our day where we switch off from everything. That just doesn't happen anymore. (laughs) You know, and our life is on all the time. We're 24-7 on. And whether that be social media, running about in kids' clubs, um, computers and phones that boot up super quickly or even don't need to be powered down, um, we can work from home anywhere, anytime with access to email, messages, social media, 
information. We can access work files. We can even, you know, in the health world now, we can see people online in different countries, um, in different time zones. I mean, the, the opportunities to continue working 24 hours a day are endless. And I think that's really made it really difficult for people to rely on that natural switch off, which as human beings we've always done. You know, the sun goes down, you go to bed, um, and, and that's the end of it. Actually, we don't have to do that now in the modern era because, you know, the lights are on, the computers are going, and the emails are coming, pinging in, <laughs> and we can respond to that all the time. And I think if we don't intentionally start to take charge of that, then we just get railroaded by modern culture and sooner rather than later, we're ending up in a chronic state of stress, which affects us mentally and physically. Um, you know, and I think, I think really those are the four kind of overarching factors. No, that's amazing. It, and it's so, so true. And they're all linked as well because we were yeah. chatting just before we, you know, we started recording. We were talking about this busyness and activities and we do put a lot of stress on ourselves that we've got to do all the things, be, you know, wear all these different hats and you know, if we're not mm-hmm. responding to emails straight away, then, you know, we put more pressure on ourselves that, you know, and people are expecting this immediacy, aren't they? Because of technology, even though technology is fantastic, mm-hmm. um, and we can do so much more there. It does p- place another stress on us because, you know, if people don't get any answers straight away, then, you know, they'll f- be following up and then we're under pressure to reply and, it, absolutely it very stressful <laughs> it can be very stressful absolutely and I think that's I mean more and more I'm using this word intentional because I think it really talks to how we need to bring our health and well-being into the sort of modern the milieu if you like of modern life it's it's just this huge soup of millions of things that we'll have to juggle and actually intentional focus on health and wellness has to be in there. And actually, it's about asking yourself the question, isn't it? Because, you know, we're all prone to this. I mean, you know, obviously I've been there and I've been burnt out, but I'm still prone to just getting overwhelmed sometimes. Mm -hmm. But it's about saying to yourself, hang on a minute, I can take a step back. And what really is going to happen if I switch my email off for half a day? Nothing. You know, really, it's about saying to yourself, actually, yes, our culture and our our ability to do incredible things with technology is there, but we can take charge of that. We can make it work for us rather than letting it, you know, than letting it take control. We can take control of it. And then it becomes this incredible tool that we can harness in order to do great things. And I think it's about changing that story and actually intentionally changing the narrative that you use around social media, email, and just generally about busyness. And it's about sort of saying to yourself, I, I don't have to actually talk to talk to myself about it in that way. I can use a different story. Absolutely. And it that you've hit the nail on the head there, Joyce. It is about those stories and that narrative. Um <clears throat> And the pressures we put on ourselves. So, um, absolutely. absolutely. I know you're going to give us some strategies a bit later on about how to change that narrative. So, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on that. Um, but just before we we talk about the stress response, can you just tell us some of the long term complications of burnout if you don't address it? 
Yeah, well, really, I mean, I would say the 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 saddest part is that the long-term complications of burnout are really chronic health problems and and it's it's the whole of life is connected and it's a circle and if we go into burnout really from work-related stress it doesn't take long before that chronic stressed state starts to have physical manifestations and this is why you'll find that people with burnout and myself included usually always also have physical um symptoms and you know really horrible chronic conditions as well then the two things are connected because obviously um the sort of key pillars of a healthy life that create that healthy environment so good nutrition good sleep properly resting and restoring and and sort of flipping yourself back into the parasympathetic state um really looking at good wholesome movement within your day really balancing with healthy relationships so those key things they can they can really start to address burnout and stress, but they can also address chronic disease as well. So it isn't much of a leap of logic to work out that if you're in burnout because you've stopped addressing those key components of a, a, a rounded, balanced, healthy life and you've ended up in a burnt out state, then you will also be putting your body under metabolic stress and then also causing chronic disease like cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, um, other things like skin conditions, um, psoriasis breakouts, eczema, for example, and then other things like irritable bowel syndrome, um, problems with uh, the gut brain access, microbiome destruction, things like you know, you're not eating enough fruit and vegetables and you have symptoms and signs of free radical damage. I mean, it's all connected, isn't it? Um, and mm-hmm. I think this is this is the sad fact is that stress that isn't resolved leads to chronic stress then leads to burnout then leads to the same drivers that are actually driving the chronic diseases that we have in abundance today absolutely and the immune system as well gets negatively impacted absolutely i mean yeah no i didn't mention that but that's a huge thing i mean i I was definitely in that camp with chronic symptoms of burnout and i just had a terrible immunity failure um so really just to put it in a nutshell i had ignored um symptoms of uh, irritable bowel syndrome that ended up looking like inflammatory bowel disease um i ended up that had an undiagnosed gluten allergy that had then led me to having um problems with my gut flora i had because i had a really sort of dysfunctional gut flora I, I really had very little immunity ended up with chronic asthma because of that um, wow. and then laterally just had pneumonia after pneumonia and I was just so cute had no immunity I just couldn't fight off infection and really it just was a case of unpicking all of that really slowly slowly addressing lifestyle change after lifestyle change and just this different narrative mm-hmm. believing that I could start to listen to my body and put the pieces of the jigsaw back together and I can tell you now that I am wholeheartedly healthy I've not on any medication for anything that I was on medication before having a chest infection for about two years um, yeah I mean I'm 100% recovered and it's just from slowly rebuilding those key 
areas of health and getting them in balance and constantly then listening to my body and listening to those signs of chronic stress, listening to emotions that come up, listening to symptoms that come up and just being grounded in my own body and listening to it. And I think these are the things that I'm trying now to teach my clients through health coaching that I've really developed such a greater understanding of through doing the CNM course. And, you know, that was the sort of final aha moment for me. Mm-hmm. If we come back to your original thing about aha moments is that I realised doing the course that I could actually dig a little deeper into my symptoms and really treat my own asthma, you know, and really change my diet through the the lifestyle changes that CNM were promoting. And and really, you know, I, I did that and it was revolutionary for me. It, absolutely amazing. So these lifestyle changes work. They're simple, they're effective, and they can really change your health around. It's amazing, Joyce, how powerful food and dietary changes and what a difference they make, um, but also how how negatively stress impacts our health. Um, so can you firstly talk, before we move on to some of the dietary and lifestyle tips that you recommend, can you just talk to us briefly about the stress response and what happens to our bodies when we get stressed? Yes, absolutely, because I think this is really key to understanding the signs that we need to look out for to really notice intentionally that we are feeling stressed and how then we can identify it so that we know when we need to employ some of these tools and techniques to take us out of the stress response. So when we use the word stress, I think it's actually really useful to start by thinking really deeply about what this actually means to us as individuals. So often we use that word in day-to-day life, and it's a word we use all the time, but we're not fully thinking about or even maybe understanding in ourselves what's actually behind that. So we can start by asking ourselves the details about what we mean. Um, And usually I use kind of like tools here from emotional intelligence, and, and I really would love to point um, listeners towards this incredible book that was published last year um, by Professor Mark Brackett called Permission to Feel. And this can really help you to understand the sort of emotions that are coming up when we use the word stress. Um, So we can have this under that word stress, we can have this cocktail of emotion, things like overwhelm, anxiety, fear, even anger and frustration, or it can be a combination of all of those. And I think it's really useful to just take a wee step back from that initial feeling of, oh, I'm stressed, and just ask yourself, is it overwhelm? Is it anxiety? So that you can use specific tools to start to address those feelings, um, and I'll come on to them later. And it's re- and this kind of stressed feeling, it's so usual as part of our normal day, um, just the, ch- the, ja- the, the challenge of our days and the juggle of life. Um, and this kind of stressed feeling manifests itself physically as well. So not just emotionally with these emotions that we can kind of take a wee minute to stop and identify, but also as faster breathing. And you can feel that often you're breathing just in the top third of your lungs. Um, Muscle tension. So sometimes 
sometimes you can feel your shoulders rise or your biceps feel tight. I certainly, sometimes I actually feel tension in my arms so much that my hands are shaking. Um, and that's because you get this kind of influx of blood flow to the muscles in order to do what the stress response requires of you. Um, you get an increased sensation of the pounding heart due to increased heart rate and blood pressure and increased production of that stress hormone adrenaline so that you can actually make all of these physical changes that we've been talking about. You can breathe faster, you can increase muscle tension. All of those changes are, are put into action by increasing the stress hormones. Um, and also you reduce blood flow to your digestive system so that you don't have to spend time digesting food when you're acutely in the stress moment. And this is known as the sympathetic or the fight or flight state. And it is an entirely biological state of our body that is triggered by our nervous system. And we're hardwired to feel this way so that we can adapt our bodily functions in the way that I've just described. I mean, you get those sensations, but those are there for a reason in order to give us the strength and the power to respond to an imminent threat. And the commonly quoted example that you'll have heard before is this, the early human running from a saber-toothed tiger <laughs> in order to save their life, you know, and that's a really key evolutionary thing. We need that. It's really important. And clearly in modern life, it can be hugely useful um, to get our bodies to perform that boost that we need before a work presentation or, you know, a big project to get the kids to school on time in the morning to respond to some sort of accident or crisis. We need that. Um, however, this huge, huge but that I'm saying here, um, we've got to remember that we weren't supposed to be in the sustained stressed state because in, in our sort of um, uh, early human lives, we wouldn't have that permanent switch on that we have now that we've spoken about earlier. Um, just that 24-7 situation where we can become stressed by everything that we're taking in in terms of social media and just life in general. Mm -hmm. So that really, I think, is the disconnect between... Um, you know, our ancestors, that missing link of, of getting ourselves back out of the fight or flight state into the balancing state of the parasympathetic nervous system, the, or you'll have maybe heard it called the vagal state, the quiescent state, or the term that I like to use is the rest and digest state where we're calm, our bodies can repair, and we can get ourselves ready to give another boost of fight or flight in the next time we need it. But the sad fact is, because we've got so many distractions from screens and work and general busyness and this narrative that we tell ourselves, even our relaxation techniques are putting us into the stressed state. <laughs> so yeah. as I was talking to you earlier about the 15 cups of coffee that I used to have, I mean, that's putting you into the stressed state mm -hmm. because of the caffeine. Alcohol consumption, we can't sleep properly when we're drinking alcohol, which immediately puts our bodies under stress. Um, even things like sitting down and watching Netflix. I mean, you know, Netflix's biggest competitor is a good night's sleep. Really, I mean, that mm. they, they drive um, the programs towards you so that you can't switch off from it. And, and that, 
you know, that's a really, that's a, that's a big thing. And I mean, TV and blue light in general is just pushing us into the stress state. So it's about recognizing that even the things that we're using to relax aren't actually putting us into this fundamental quiescent, calm, parasympathetic, rest and digest state. Um, and really it's all adding to that state of chronic stress. And it's like crutches as well that you talked yeah. about, isn't it? You know, just using these, whether it's a device or, um, you know, a sort of dietary habit as a just kind of uh, as a thing to hang on to, to get you through. Yeah, this this survival mode that we, we feel we can't do without it. But I mean, really, the way I see it, and I sometimes talk to my clients about this, is that if you think about um, your body being money in the bank, so obviously there's a cash flow there sort of coming in and out. The sympathetic state is very necessary. And obviously, we have to draw money out of the bank to put it into that sympathetic state. We have to pay for that. And that's really important. But if we're constantly paying for that sympathetic state and and never drawing money back in through the parasympathetic state, we're not ever depositing money into the bank of the body, then eventually we just go into debt. And that's mm-hmm. what burnout is, is that bodily debt, mental, physical, emotional, of just constantly giving out into stress, into the sympathetic state, um, into fight or flight, if you like. And I think it's just about rebalancing and recognising that that balance is hugely important and it builds resilience. And, you know, it would mean that you can have a longer career in a certain area, perhaps, or it means that you're just constantly recognising that you need to bring resilience to all areas of your life so that one particular area doesn't take over, for example. Absolutely. And I really like that analogy. It's, um, you know, it's a good way to explain it. Now let's talk about your tips and advice for addressing stress and burnout sort of in your health coaching practice. So what are some of the key dietary and lifestyle tips that you recommend for overcoming burnout? Right. I think the the thing to say here is that this is the part I love. I mean, it's so (laughs) exciting to be curious about what's going to work for any individual. And clients are always my greatest teacher because I always learn things from them, from the ideas that they come up with. Um, But really, usually there's seven themes, if you like, that come out. And certainly recently, working within the pandemic um, and sort of recovering from it, I would say that there's a really kind of grounding priority that I've seen work first and foremost in people that I'm that I'm seeing um, as clients at the moment. So firstly, I would say that first key priority is twofold. And really, it's this thing that we've touched on a little bit today already, the power of story and that narrative that you have over yourself. Really calling that to consciousness in yourself, or I do this and I help clients to do this, is just remembering that your body and your mind um, has evolved over millennia and it is definitely capable of repair and it's capable of of choice and it's capable of doing things for you if you give it that opportunity. So can you tell yourself a different story? Can you start to believe in yourself? And I do little 
simple things with people like, um, okay, so the anxiety is telling you that, oh, you're really stressed and you need to work through on this assignment or project and you can't stop and give yourself a good night's sleep. So you can say, thank you, body, for that warning. Thanks for that. That's really useful. But I'm going to tell you a different story because actually I know that I'm going to produce a better piece of work um, or I'm going to be a better parent, for example. If I give myself a good night's sleep, if I rest and restore. So it's about always countering the negative narrative with a positive, you know, and really mm -hmm. asking yourself what there is to be learned here. So that I would say is the first thing. And then the second part of that, something that I found incredibly powerful, is this concept of self-compassion. Um, and I really want to credit um, Dr. Kristen Neff with this concept and all the research that she has done in this area. And really, um, you know, if you go to her website, there's tons of tools on there that you can use to understand what self-compassion is. But I think it's something that is really called for at our time right now, recovering from a pandemic and all of the changes and uncertainty that we're seeing. And the three components of self-compassion go like this. So First of all, because it's a mindfulness exercise, it's about stopping in the moment and saying, yeah, this is stressful. I acknowledge it and I can feel it in my body and I can say, ow, this is painful and this hurts and this is really hard. And I can actually acknowledge that and not push through. So that's the first thing is acknowledging that stress or pain. The second part of it is then going forward and saying, yeah, but you know what? I recognise that I'm not alone and this is common to all of humanity. This is common to everybody. We all feel stress, we all feel hurt and pain around about it. And it's a shared experience. And then the power in that is suddenly you don't feel lonely in it anymore. And then the third component is, what can I do for myself right now in this moment that will help? You know, not a crutch, not a denial effort. So, you know, don't reach for the coffee or the sugar or, <laughs> you know, don't push through. But what can I really do here to nourish myself that will actually help in the long run? So employing those three elements of self-compassion can be massively powerful and really I see it as a springboard into making change because the research around it is absolutely fascinating and really quite beautiful and that people that, that really do self-compassion on a regular basis, perhaps every day or every other day, if they bring it into their lives, they are much more curious and open to lifestyle change and much more able to make it work for them and stick to it and then therefore then much more resilient in their health and well-being moving forward. So this is a really scientific research grounded tool that you can use um, on a daily basis going forward. So that I would say is kind of my first priority with, with my clients and also it's where I started myself on my own journey. Mm -hmm. You know, is not beating yourself over the, the head with a stick because you can't walk a mile. It's just saying, no, I'm going to walk as far as I can. And that's good. That nourishes me. Even if it is just, you know, out to my front door and back in, then that's a really positive start. Absolutely. And I think just to, to touch on what we were talking about earlier, which I think is a really important point, was that you know, in light of the pandemic and the last couple of years, we're now operating in this constant fight or flight 
response um, without even yeah. realizing it. And, you know, it does reduce our resilience. And, you know, we were saying, you know, gosh, how did we, you know, cope with doing all these activities and, and this and that with the kids before lockdown? And now we're back. It was exactly what we did before, but I think all the stress and the uncertainty has kind of reduced people's resilience, hasn't it? Absolutely. And I think that's why, obviously, we're talking, you know, officially the, the diagnosis of burnout is, is work-related. However, we are all feeling it at the moment, aren't we? We're all experiencing this permanent fight-or-flight state purely because we can't ever sit in that, you know, and take ourselves out of it because there's always the uncertainty. And I mean, you, you were talking about that when we were chatting earlier as well, Michelle, is just this... The uncertainty, the goalposts are always moving, there's mm-hmm. constant change of restrictions, we're coming in or out of lockdown, you know, guidance is changing all the time and that is constantly flipping us back into a stress response, into a fight or flight state and I think it's about becoming conscious of that mm-hmm. recognising it and actually saying there are things that I need to do in order to take myself out of that on a daily basis and maybe being more intentional than ever before for. Um, and, and in some ways, we can actually look at the pandemic and use it as a teacher to see that, you know, that it's teaching us something about mm-hmm. the stressed state that we're living in because it is unsustainable and it is destroying our physical and mental health. Um, and it's really stealing our vitality, you know. Yeah. So, really, if we can harness that lesson that we've learned from the pandemic, I think that would be, you know, a huge start. Absolutely. Yeah, so just then moving on um, in terms of the things that I would go on to next. So really the second priority I would start to try and work with clients over is just understanding what you're feeling in your body and start to look at that, not as something to be denied, but as information that your body is trying to give you, information that it's it's trying to talk to you about what you need. Um, and, and if you can see now, that's why I think the mindfulness exercise of self-compassion really is required first in order for you to just kind of slow down and give yourself permission almost to say, it's okay for me to listen to my body. This is okay. And it's actually really important. And it can be applied emotionally with those tools of emotional intelligence that I was talking about earlier, really learning to say to yourself, oh, that's interesting. I'm feeling anxious. What is that trying to tell me? You know, and just really asking yourself that. Or, gosh, you know, I've just had a skin breakout today. What what does that mean? What's Mm -hmm. that telling me about maybe a stress that I'm denying? You know, and really kind of relearning that principle of embodiment and like living in our body, responding to our body. And and I really believe that if 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 I have one regret in life, it's really that that I ignored so many symptoms in order to continue surviving in my job in the NHS. And if I'd actually listened to those, maybe I wouldn't have ended up completely burnt out. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's been a teacher to me and that's fine and I take it as a positive. However, those signs, those symptoms, those emotions are there for a purpose. We would have evolved out of them if they weren't useful. And, and it's just about changing that story that you tell yourself that they're to be denied. They're actually 
actually not. They're actually providing information. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you feel stressed. Just, you know, like I said a minute ago, stop and think about this as a secondary feeling. Actually, what's underneath it? What is it? What's your body trying to say? Am I anxious about a comment that a colleague made at work or a presentation that I need to give? Or am I feeling overwhelmed actually by workload or a new project or a role that I'm stepping into that I really don't feel like I've got time for? You know, and actually they can tell you things so that you can make change and make those changes changes to make a more sustainable situation. Mm-hmm. No, that's fantastic. I think that that that's a really key point because people do ignore or mm-hmm. we just don't want to face up to it or we don't want to tell somebody no or we don't want to yeah. um you know we, you know we build up these you know these stories don't we oh you know as you said before gosh if if I take some time off then it's going to put pressure on my colleagues and everything's mm-hmm. going to fall apart but the reality is that it doesn't things just yeah, carry it, on it don't they um but yeah. we make ourselves really anxious and create more stress by worrying about all these things. Absolutely. And so little tips and things that you can use. I mean, things like journaling are so powerful um, just to kind of journal out all of those feelings and then actually sit and unpick it and see the things like, actually, yeah, do you know what? I can leave that. Or no, actually, I need to really look at that and maybe speak to my boss or, you know, maybe speak to my partner that I'm feeling overwhelmed with too many things to juggle with work and home life, you know, and and maybe we can share the load a little bit. So journaling Mm -hmm. can be really, really useful. Things like taking a brain dump and just like sitting and writing a big, massive, long list and actually assigning times to do stuff. I mean, I do that with my clients a lot, you know, just helping them to to develop their own techniques to do this that is going to work for them. Um, you know, and simply just breaking down that feeling of stress and actually sitting listening to yourself can can actually just be hugely beneficial in itself. But really, I would go on here to say that if this is something that you're really struggling with and you're recognising this as you're listening to the podcast, I mean, a health coach can be so helpful here and really can help you to identify your own unique barriers, to help you build your own unique techniques for dealing with overwhelm and help you to develop your own kind of systems for plugging in calmness techniques and to bring you out of that stress state. You know, and we can work alongside people to specifically support these things and also signpost if, if you know, there's deeper seated issues. So for example, somebody might need counselling. We can work alongside counsellors um, and that works really well for people too. No, absolutely. And it's a health coach becomes that support person, that accountability accountability partner, doesn't it? So to help people through these challenges that they're experiencing. Uh-huh, and just sort of becoming somebody's like very own cheerleader and teaching them how to do that for themselves ultimately, mm-hmm. you know. That's it. So so Joyce, are there any dietary recommendations? So say for example, if somebody is drinking lots and lots of coffee what can they be doing instead what how can they switch out these things if they're relying on sugar what kind of dietary things should they be considering to nourish their body when yeah, they're burnt so- out 
Absolutely. So that I would say is my next priority with people. So once we've gotten them grounded in those kind of key areas of self-compassion and sort of reading them, their bodies, then you can move on and make these key dietary changes. Or even if you're recognising that you're stressed, but you're not burnt out, you know, simple, simple dietary swap-ins can really help. So we spoke about coffee. So for example, you can, you know, swap in a herbal tea or a glass of fruit infused water, you mm-hmm. know, start with swapping out one a day, see how that works for a week, then go to two um, and just keep on making small, small changes. Because, I mean, really, if you're feeling stressed, coffee is, and even tea is full of caffeine as well so I would also talk about black tea um, is in there too so coffee and black tea can be really stimulatory and can really affect sleep and just that sort of put us into that fight or flight state of kind of heart pounding so I would really encourage people to try that so experiment with herbal teas, peppermint tea is lovely um, chamomile tea is very calming, uh, you can put in one or two lavender buds to help with that, I mean that can be just really beautiful and aromatic there's lots of different types of herbal teas out there to try um, and it really is worthwhile if you if it's, if it's hot weather and you don't want to drink a hot drink you can squeeze half a lemon in a glass of water um, just to give yourself a zing of vitamin C that will really help um, to give your body a boost of antioxidants also helps stress um, yeah and just sort of really trying to hydrate properly as well and just really try to drink sort of that one and a half to two litres of clear fluids or herbal teas per day um, and that's not including your coffees and black teas because obviously they can deplete fluid from your body which also makes us stressed as well Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say that and then also nourishing the body with with really wholesome food with a rainbow diet and um, plenty of like beautifully coloured vegetables um, trying not to eat too much fruit in there um, but also you know obviously taking in those lovely berry fruits that are full of antioxidants but trying to get in green veggies cruciferous vegetables are absolutely fantastic um, you know th- they've actually got omega-3 in them that that will definitely counterbalance that stress response and sort of calm the membranes of the body to try and um, actually counterbalance the stress response. And even things like uh, dark cherries um, have got melatonin so they can be taken towards the end of the day that might help you to sleep the melatonin sleep hormone that we need. Um, So they can be really powerful as well. Um, And then just trying to cut out processed elements. So sugar, absolutely. I mean, if you're feeling stressed, taking white refined sugar is is really detrimental because that fluctuation in blood sugar that you feel will really add to the mental experience of stress and also the body stress response as well. So trying to really replace those sugary snacks with things like a handful of a lovely fresh nuts and things like almonds or walnuts um, can be really good Um, or even trying to just uh, cut out snacks altogether and just eat a healthy balanced meal three times a day that can be really powerful as well and the other thing I would say about good nutrition is really just taking that 
time to eat mindfully and really just thinking about nourishing your body, chewing your food properly so that you digest it properly to get the benefit of nutrition, that all of that lovely nutrients that are in that food um, and really just taking that time for yourself to eat properly every day, not just rushing and eating a sandwich as you go out the door. Um, you know, just really thinking about how we eat, not just what we eat, can be really powerful too. Um, but definitely bringing that natural whole food diet, removing processed elements like refined carbohydrates, sugars, processed fats can be really inflammatory as well. I mean, there's so much to say here, isn't there, yes, Michelle? Yeah. <laughs> but no, that's that's great. It gives gives people, you know, some tips to start working with to adding more nutrition in. And I think that's a really key point about taking time to eat and chew your food because most people, as you say, are eating on the run or not even taking a lunch break. They're eating at their desk and busy mm -hmm. typing away and not even thinking about the food that they're chewing. So I think that's a really key point because, you know, if our digestion goes out of whack as well, then that has, you know, effects on you know, our immune system, on our yeah. mental health and lots of other uh, things in the body. Absolutely. I mean, I think if you go back to the, the bit that I was talking about, the symptoms of stress and the fact that you actually switch off the blood supply to the gut mm -hmm. during a stress response. So obviously, if we're eating in a stressed state, um, we're not going to be um, feeding our lovely gut bugs because there's no blood supply there. We're not going to be absorbing that nutrition from the food. Um, and ultimately, that has a huge knock-on effect on our immunity. And, you know, that's obviously a key area that people are finding stressful at the moment is like boosting immunity. So if you can do one small thing, it would be sitting, really savouring that food that you're eating, eating in a really calm, unstressed way so that you can really digest that food. Because remember, 70% of our immunity resides within our gut. So if we can really really nurture that with the food that we're eating, with the time that we're giving ourselves to digest that properly, then that can be a, a very simple, easy thing to do that you can start doing today. Absolutely. So just before we finish up, are there any other lifestyle tips or daily practices that our listeners may find helpful during burnout? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's tons of things. So really just, I would say a couple of key things. And firstly, would be really intentionally learning to enter the parasympathetic state intentionally. So managing to harness that yourself, it can be really empowering and actually quite key to staving off burnout because you can take yourself out of that acute stressed state. Different things work for different people and there's loads of things I can suggest, but I'll just run through like a, a brief list. So top of the list, I would say, is breath work. So bringing in that breath work to really switch on your vagus nerve. So really breathing deeply into the diaphragm actually switches on our vagal nerve, which is really the key to unleashing that parasympathetic state. 
So really just taking one minute or three minutes to really take a deep breath in through the nose, deep, deep out, long out breath, and really feel that breath go right into your tummy, really into the abdomen. And almost you can lie on the floor and put your arms on your belly and feel your belly coming up and down with each breath rather than the top of your chest. You know, and there's loads of places that you can look for um, information about breath work, but I would say that that is really key. The other thing would be engaging with nature. So lots of people enjoy wild swimming, barefoot walking on the grass. Mm -hmm. Walking in nature can really harness the earth's quality, can really ground us and actually just flip us into that parasympathetic state. I would also really encourage folk to take a digital curfew. You know, really think about switching all devices off an hour before you go to bed, half an hour if you can't do an hour. But ultimately, you know, really try to do that and, you know, just take just take a curfew from that daily switch on. And some people really enjoy longer digital detoxes. So like going for a holiday with no devices, for example, can really work. Things like having a really beautiful nurturing bedtime routine so that you can really get yourself into that rested state ready to access a good night's sleep. So thinking about the things that work for you. So say, for example, reading a chapter of a book or taking a magnesium salt bath or, Mm. you know, things like that can be incredibly powerful. And they're all easy to access, simple swaps that we can make right now today. I mean, with pardon me, we talked about um, really intentionally enjoying your food. And I talk about this with my clients um, and call it a mini ritual. Sort of, so you make a mini ritual around food. So you make yourself a lovely cup of herbal tea. You create a lovely plate of food for your lunch and you sit there and you savour that moment, really bring into consciousness, you know, the earth that has given you the plants and um, the farmers that have brought you the produce and just how fortunate fortunate we are to have fresh food in our plates, really to savour that moment of eating and that can work wonders for your digestion. And then also mindfulness work. So, you know, I mean, that word mindful can be, you know, overused, but actually all it means is just stopping and just taking a moment to really notice what is around you. And really you can do that at any time of your day to really just remember who you are, where you are, why you're doing it and, you know, what's going on around you. And people, you know, can use lots of different things like arts and crafts projects can be really restorative um, for clients. There's also something that I personally love to do and people that like music, um, if you play an instrument, that is brilliant, but also listening to music. And there's a specific relaxation frequency that you can use, which is um, a music in the frequency of 432 hertz can really actually physically pop you into the rest and digest state. And that's it's a really clever tool that you can use. Um, so it's worth investigating that as well. I mean, there's lots of things that you can do. So really get curious and open about little habits that you could change. And what I would say is just remember to do one small thing at a time um, because this is not, you know, a performance exercise in itself. It's just about recognising that small changes can make a huge difference. So even if it is just 
swapping out a coffee for a herbal tea or even if it is saying right I'm going to take a walk around my garden and my bare feet for one minute every morning that can just make a massive difference and it can start you on your road to whole health. Oh, absolutely. Some amazing tips and advice there. And I, yeah, I love those. And and it's true, you know, what work, might work for one person might not work for another. See, I'd love a magnesium salt bath. That would be my idea of heaven, but some people hate baths. So, yeah. and that's not going to work for them. So um, it's about finding, you know, finding out what works for you and, yeah. you know, being kind to yourself, you know, as you as you talked about that, having that compassion, and I think working with a health coach can really help you to identify those areas um, and what's going to work and what's not going to work, and help you Definitely. implement these specific strategies. Absolutely. And learn what strategies work for you. And then you've got them in your toolbox to take forward. So that programme of health coaching can just be so empowering and really revolutionary because, you know, it's not something that you need to do long term. A programme of health coaching can really empower and equip you to take those key unique skills that you've learned about yourself forward into life. You know, so it's, it can be a really powerful experience. No, it really can. And and you sort of hit the nail on the head there with talking about living, being mindful and living in the present. And I think what causes us all a lot of stress is trying to live in the future or worrying about the past and, you know, things yeah. are out of our control. And I think if we're more present and mindful and just focusing on the here and now, um, it would be a lot less stressful. <laughs> yeah, and oftentimes you find that if you take care of the here and now, the future takes care of itself. Yes. You know, and as long as you're operating within those kind of boundaries of self-compassion and nurturing yourself and just kind of attending to what's in front of you, usually it, it just all starts to flow. You know, and just if you feel overwhelmed, well, you attend to it and you sit down and you write a to-do list or, you know, I mean, simple things like that can really start to alleviate stressed feelings. Absolutely. It just helps you unpack it and break it down and make it into more manageable chunks, doesn't it? Uh Uh-huh. Absolutely. Oh, well, that's fantastic, Joyce. Thank you so much for, for sharing your story. It's so inspiring and also for running through burnout and the stress response because I think it's such a, an important topic. And as you say, lots of people just ignore the signs. So you've given some really manageable, actionable tips that people can take away and start implementing straight away. Oh, great. That's that's all I want. I just would love people to feel more empowered in their own health because, you know, I've come through it myself and I would just really encourage people if they feel like they're stressed or burnt out, really, you can do this. I mean, there's nothing special about me. I did it and I just, I feel, you know, and and I really feel so keen that you can do this one small step at a time and really become more empowered and just also you know CNM's message is just so fundamentally true that if you rely in on these naturopathic lifestyle approaches you know it's just so powerful and you can really affect change in your own life and then affect change in in your loved ones and the wider community too. Absolutely so Joyce where can people find more about you and the work that you do? Uh, well, I've got a website, um, and my website is www.drjoyceredhealthcoach.com, and my packages and things are on there. You can get in touch with me through my website. 
Um, and I am going to confess that I do not have any social media platforms because for <laughs> me that is just too stressful and I've had to walk away from that. Um, but I operate really quite effectively through my website, through word of mouth as well. Um, and thank you for the opportunity here um, today to talk about my work. So grateful to CNM for everything they've given me in terms of um, training and, and opportunities. And yeah, I just, yeah, if anybody would like to shout out, that's fantastic. But there are loads of health coaches working who are CNM trained. And yeah, I would just encourage anybody to reach out for help because it is there and it can really work. Absolutely. Thank you, Joyce. Well, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks for listening and a big thank you to Joyce for sharing her inspiring story and knowledge with us. You can find all the information discussed today and more about Joyce and the things that she discussed in the show notes on the CNN website at www.cnnpodcast.com. And if you're interested in learning more about health coaching or becoming a health coach, visit CNN's health coach website at www.thehealthcoach.com and consider attending one of our upcoming open events. There's also a great free health coaching webinar you can watch on the website too. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe through your favorite podcatcher so you don't miss any future episodes. While you're there, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating or review as this helps us when creating new content.